0: We are starting off because. You are starting off. I was about to. Then <laughs> you said you're starting yeah. off. Yeah.
1: Which confused me because I was about to start off. And then you said that as if I wasn't about to start
0: off. Mm-hmm. So I was quite confused by so that. It is the
2: Riddler. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Riddler's the new bad guy. Mm. But same as the old bad guy. Ready? Uh-huh. Are you
2: sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics! Clark Kent has a job. I just want to go on a date.
0: Faulty metaphor. Kryptonite kills. You're assuming I met the green kryptonite. I was referring, of course, to the red kryptonite, which drains Superman in his powers.
3: Wrong. The gold kryptonite's a power sucker. The red kryptonite mutates Superman into some sort of weird...
4: Guys, reality. Besides, I can just tell something's wrong. My spider sense is tingling.
2: Your spider sense... I'll stay behind and put around in the back cave with crusty old Alfred here.
0: Ah, uh, no, I am no Alfred, so I know you forget Alfred had a job. But gee, Mr. White, if Clark and Lois get all the good stories, I'll never be a good reporter. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Olsen
2: jobs are pretty much made me last time. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Avengers Assemble, let's get it going.
0: Hey, kids,
2: comics! We're going to play the game, the
5: PlayStation on day. With Metal Gear Solid to check and Free. And from Omega Bows to Resident Evil. Just play for the fun, because we got it going on.
1: Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to Hey Kids Comics. Very low-key again. It is, We're yeah. going for low-key and understated. I think we should.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Instead of being bombastic and in your face. And Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> Jelly Fantastic. Mr. Bombastic. A lover lover man. <laughs> Boom. Instead of that, yeah, we're doing this. Do um, you got anything to report this week? Uh, no. We didn't see anything this week? No. No, nothing of import. We're watching The Adventures of Superman. That's always fun. The 50s one. Yeah. Your daughter, your daughter, my daughter, your sister. And, and why are you doing that? Likes it because of a top secret project. Ah. Uh huh. Right.
0: Tease the listeners. Up. Yeah,
1: a little, little uh a little bit of tease. Though always good to tease. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, straight to emails then, if we have no preamble this week. Yeah, I think. Um, our first email tonight is Rob Stubbs. Hello, Rob. Do you wish to join us for emails? No, you dismay. What was I doing? Oh, yes. Yeah. Email. Yes. Hello, Rob. Hello, Rob. <laughs> I was just waiting for you to say hello there while you're leafing through Superman Unchained. Hello, Rob. Wow, a hello from the missus as well. That's was nice, isn't it? No, this is Superman Batman. <laughs> oh, is, it? is that not Superman Unchained? Um, I'm
0: overly blown away.
1: The subject heading, Marvel now, as I am the superior Spider-Man. Hello, Andrew and Michael. You guys are both amazing and superior. I'll go with that. Which mm-hmm. one are you? I'll be superior <laughs> That explains a great deal. That's a superlative, you just can't beat. It is, yes, it's very good. Um, I have a checkered history with the directors of the Spider-Man books as a certain decisions have made me not only not care, but actively avoid most of the Marvel titles. I'm not talking about the Clone Saga, which I thought was at least interesting ideas-wise, but very flawed in execution. But other things that made me turn my back on various titles. One of those was the transformation of Venom, from being a vicious killer to suddenly becoming a dark hero, which was done purely because Venom was very popular and helped to sell more books. All the truly awful things Jet Venom had done were got sort of downplayed as he starts saying I'm acting heroically now, so why are you trying to stop me? One of the big movers, however, that drove me away was the revocation of one of the things I truly thought was a brave decision. That was the death of Aunt May Park, who for years had been narrowly hanging on to life by a thread. She got a great deathbed scene, but the revelation this was an actress hired by Norman Osborn was infuriating, to say the least, and a major cop-out story-wise. We said that one, we covered a minute's battle on 400, didn't we? Mm -hmm. All those years ago yeah that we covered a Spider-Man 400 I didn't mind the marriage as a whole but thought a lot of writers had zero clue how to write a newly married couple if they'd stopped being lazy and willing to work at it the marriage could have been good the second big major thing that drove me away was the deal with the devil a cheat to get rid of 20 years worth of marriage and also rearrange certain events such as Peter revealing his identity neither Peter nor Mary Jane would be willing to trust that an incarnation of evil personified would keep his bargain as intended if they have any sense no matter how good or noble the intentions were so with that my, this story should really bother me, but it doesn't, because the setup isn't contradicting established history, nor is it making the characters act differently to suit some sort of goal of the writer. Otto Octavius is a genius who craves respect and recognition, so using the man who has prevented him achieving these goals, Peter Parker, who is driven by his own deep responsibility, made sense. Otto Peter is also going to take the new life he has claimed and make it superior to what his foe has done with it, even though deep down inside he's furious about it. We can look at how mad the lack of degree makes Otto as a sign of how radically different the two men are, which, again, Otto craves recognition and respect he feels he deserves, whilst Peter does what he thinks is responsible, even if he never gets any respect for it. This explains why Otto Peter finds it so easy to build bridges with Jameson and the city, because it goes to what he thinks is important. Peter Parker throws himself into a path of danger, because he wants to protect people. Thus he is willing to take more damage than Otto is. I don't think that Otto Peter is an actual coward, but he is afraid they will wind up where he was before if he fights. He will save people because it gives him respect, but he has no intention of dying again for other people, so the threshold where he says, I've done enough, is a lot lower than Peter's. Since this is so, he will also be driven into a deep anger where he gets what he feels is disrespectful treatment, which he will take out on the perpetrators. Otto Peter doesn't have the same restraints that Peter does, so killing someone is a lot easier for him. In the first issue of Superior Spider-Man, you can see all this from where the new Sinister Six is in operation, which offends Otto Peter deeply. This is disrespecting something he created, and his systematic dismantling of the Sinister Six is efficient and brutal. Otto Peter can also walk away from Mary Jane, unlike Peter, which he demonstrates even though he finds her attractive, she is generally uninteresting on an intellectual level. In the ninth issue, we have the battle of souls and memories between Peter Parker and Otto, which so easily could have went down a predictable path. I applaud the creative team for not doing that at this point, as it would have been very easy to justify doing so. I like your description of the battle, which is all I have to go off at the moment. I think the reason that Peter is so clutching to even the most obscure memories is because it grounds him, and not just some pointless fan service. He's struggling to maintain his existence, which is entirely built of memories at this point, so every single one is important. The battle between the two men shows they understand each other. Peter appeals to Otto's need for respect and recognition by saying, ''You will be a hero if you step aside and let me have my life back.'' It's an appeal that strikes directly at what makes Otto who he is at his fundamental core, but he's doomed to fail because Otto also wants to live. It is the counterstrike, though, which shows how much Otto understands his long-time opponent. The core of Peter Parker is a deep sense of responsibility which has led to severe moments of doubt and feelings of guilt. The accusation that Peter Parker is responsible for the little girl almost dying because he was being selfish invokes that critical moment of doubt necessary for Otto to triumph. I think I pretty much agree with all of that. Mm-hmm. That's good reading of the issue, I think. As to Andrew's minor complaint about certain memories not being necessarily needed, such as honeymoon time, it's like opening an unlabeled photo album and flicking through. You can't control what pictures you see. I'm out now, so until I can marvel at another podcast, this is your American pal signing off, R.L. Stubbs Jr. American? Uh, yeah, I don't get I've seen that loads of places recently. What does that mean?
0: It's more of a, a meme. Is it? Yeah. I still don't get it. <laughs> There's not much to get. It's a meme. There isn't anything to get. And I right. pay no attention
1: to those things anyway, do I? Yeah. So, all right. Fair it is. Uh, thank you very much, Rob. And for the Murica thing, which I'm still none the wiser about. But Murica. Right. Uh Michael, obviously, <laughs> gets it. It's not, is it if you have to be down with the kids to understand this,
0: do you? I don't think I am anywhere near down with the kids.
1: <laughs> uh, next, it's Chris Keith. Hello, Chris. Marble Now, parts 133. Mighty Leyland. Mighty Chris. Mighty Quinn. Yeah. I was at Mighty, wait- Keith. Mighty Keith, yes. I was waiting in anticipation for these episodes and I was not disappointed. Well that's always nice to hear, isn't it? Yeah. Well, somebody's not disappointed. I wasn't disappointed. disappointed with your show.
2: That's for us.
1: I wasn't disappointed with it, per se. <laughs> we'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll go for that. However, listening to the intro to the subject, I began thinking which reboot is better. I thought I would take a look at the original New 52 list and the Marvel Now and do some homework. Yes, I'm making a chart as I write this email, but I will not bore you with my maths. Using my highly subjective system, I've determined that DC edges Marvel in total number of good new books post reboot, but that Marvel Now has the higher percentage of good, 39% to 32%. Very scientific. I refuse to include Daredevil, Captain Marvel and Hawkeye in this mix, as they were existing books that were not renumbered, and because they were popular, They were adopted into the Marvel Now mix. And yes, DC did reboot the entire company, so obviously they would have a higher volume of books.
0: In general, I've
1: enjoyed both companies' new comics. I don't know if I have a favourite. While some of the DC reboot has been annoying, teasing us with the past and introducing Wildstorm characters to fill the gaps, it is no more annoying than arbitrarily changing characters' personalities or origins to fit a new creative team. I don't know if I prefer the full reboot, DC, or the half-assed reboot, Marvel, by example. Fractions Fantastic Four. Now it is revealed that Ben Grimm apparently jacked with something that possibly led to the accident that scarred Victor Von Doom's face. Huh? So that's never come out in 50 years worth of storytelling that Ben was the root cause of Doctor Doom? This story, if they're following through with it, ranks an eensy-weensy bit higher on the guilt tree than Reed taking the foreign to fly in the ship that changed you into the thing, Mr. Grimm. You created Hitler, and you want to bust Reed's balls for not including enough fiberglass insulation in the spaceship? Hey, it was Stanley science. Fiberglass probably stops cosmic rays. <laughs> 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 That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> obviously this story is pulled from the ether as in the 100 or so times that Ben has been on death's door this little revelation has never come out I dig it, but come on update, since I started writing this email the new issue came out, and while I still think come on, it was awesome thank you Mr Fraction I don't think I've read that one yet I've read the one where he confesses to being responsible for Victor Von Doom yeah but not that one other little notes, Nick Fury's son is Sam Jackson Okay, I can believe that a man can fly. Why not? Number two, Marvel should just come clean. They reboot all the time in sneaky ways. Iron Man is now Robert Downey Jr. In appearance and personality, despite years and years of being completely different. I'll forgive the time slip. I don't need a 60-year-old Tony Stark who went to Vietnam, but now he's fallible and goofy. I like it, but don't tell me it's a reboot, Marvel. Spider-Man is an obvious reboot. I'll leave that alone.
0: Oh, it'd be cool to have, like, a 60-year-old Vietnam Tony Stark. I'm sure Garth Ennis could write that. Because... He'd be reliant on the armor now. He'd never get out of it because, you know, he's he's not so good at getting around or walking, so he uses the armor all the time.
1: And would the armor have a built-in colostomy bag?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think he might overlook that. Now he's getting on a bit. Unless it's Garth Ennis, of course. Unless it's Garth Ennis, yeah, it
1: would be played for
0: laughs, presumably.
1: Number three, Mark Wade stuff. I can't think of anything to say. It's great. Hulk is awesome, and and DD just keeps getting better, even with mediocre villains. That's good writing. Number four Hawkeye. I've started playing the theme to Rockford Files in the background whilst reading this book. It totally fits, and I'm pretty sure that I read somewhere that Jim Rockford was one of Fraction's favourite characters. And now the theme will be playing in my head for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, the, the Rockford Files does fit with Hawkeye. Mm. You remember Rockford Files? I remember the theme. Do-do, do-do-do, I remember
0: the Rockford Files. No, <laughs> <laughs> and you just keep on playing it in different versions. It's gonna make me
1: remember. Do <laughs> James Garner, Jim Rockford. Great, great show, Rockford Files number five Captain America I'm enjoying it and I really need to reread this whole Armin Zola arc the Kirby-ish art has grown on me but I really really need keep Cap back in NYC soon I believe that the arc ends tomorrow so I don't have to wait long well, I don't think it ends tomorrow unless tomorrow is Wednesday and it's new comic book day I think it ends with issue 10 yeah the uh, Dimension Z arc
0: what, I believe was that not yesterday for us no be- that was issue 7 that came out this week alright So, oh, was it issue eight? So not exactly tomorrow, then?
1: No. I don't know where he's got tomorrow from.
0: It's only a day away, though, isn't it? Tomorrow. Unless it's not now. How soon is now?
1: Uh, six Fantastic Four Well I just listened to your show on the subject And one phrase kept popping into my head Simpsons dead it I'll explain Reed and the crew are dying Losing their powers And they have to find a cure Marv Wolfman around issue 200 Space Adventure Burn in the Negative Zone Kirby and Lee several times It is enjoyable But it doesn't feel original And as much as I appreciated the Hitman run The last time I really thought this book was original Was Mark Wade. Note to self Go reread Mark Waid's Fantastic Four Not original does not mean bad I would just like to see a unique take I know Fraction can do it. So, you know, obviously, mate with me with the Fantastic Four, It Ain't Broke, Don't Fix It. Yeah. The Fantastic Four seems to me that it's got a perfect concept. The Fantastic Four is if ACDC did comics. Yeah, pretty much. It's the same song over and over again. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. It's like every time that they decide we need to fix the Fantastic Four, they fix the Fantastic Four but by just taking it back, to, back to the original concept because there is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Wandering away from that dilutes the book. Hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm thoroughly enjoying it, to be honest with you. Okay, that's enough for this time. I think I'll go reread Hawkeye and maybe look on eBay Motors and see if I can find a Dodge Challenger. Do I think the wife will allow that one? Mm, no. Thanks for continuous brilliance, Chris Keith. P.S. Doctor Who update. Martha Jones. Liking her a lot. Martha's good. Donna's better. Really?
0: Oh, yeah, Donna Noble was great.
1: That T.K. Just, Maximus.
0: I just couldn't watch... Space Spaceman! Man. <laughs> I just found it really difficult to watch those episodes just because I don't like Catherine Tate. Well, well, there's nothing you can do if you don't particularly like the actress. I
1: mean, I think the big problem with her at the beginning was everyone was like, Catherine Tate, Catherine Tate, forgetting that she was a, an RSC-trained actress yeah. who became popular through her comedy. She wasn't a comedy actress.
0: Yeah. But I love. I thought it, Donna was great. Now, in hindsight, I don't think I can enjoy any other companion more than I can Clara.
1: <laughs> yes, I wonder why that would
0: be. Hey, those cardboard cutouts I saw the other day. I
1: wonder why that would be. <laughs> Little Jenna Louise Coleman lover. Yes. Yeah, so... She seems to have dropped the Louise recently. She's just become Jenna Coleman. Mm. Perfectly okay. She should stick around for a while. Maybe longer than Matt Smith. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, Superior Spider-Man is a better title than Dumpy Middle-Aged Spider-Man runs the subject heading for the next email, which is... From the mighty Luke Giaconetta. And first off, we have to say a huge thank you to Luke. Who sent me a copy of Showcase Presents Sergeant Rock Volume 1 in the post. Mm -hmm. Because he had two of them. That
0: That arrived... Miraculously. That that,
1: that miraculously got here through postal service shenanigans. So, thank you very much. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. And the postal
0: service running around with curly mustaches. (laughs) Why would they not? Hiding our post all over the place. Why would they not do that? There could be some old lady tomorrow who wakes up (laughs) with a. A bomb in a mailbox. it explodes (laughs) and it'll just be like.
1: Don't say stuff like bombs in mailboxes. (laughs) It's
0: just like one of those black faces, and she blinks in shock. Boom! Yeah. Yes, but anyway, thanks, Luke. (laughs) It was much appreciated,
1: despite the rather. Surreal tangent, Michael, journeyed down. Um, Luke's email begins, so is it now Michael and Andrew's body, or Andrew and Michael's body, or body in and Andrew's Michael? <laughs> and Michael was just taking a drink, well done, Luke. <laughs> I don't think I like any body in my <laughs> I don't
0: know that was comedy gold. <laughs> you better not have spat that on my Superman unshared. Oh, no, no. The glossy cover have bounced off.
1: <laughs> oh, it's funny. <laughs> Oh, dear God. Uh, Luke continues, I'm all the Marvel Now books. Superior Spider-Man was pretty far towards the bottom of my interest level. After all, I'd not read Spider-Man in years. It was written by Dan Slott, and the idea of being a body swap story sort of made my eyes roll. So I was interested in hearing your take on it. With Andy being the old-school Spider-Fan and Michael being the young whippersnapper, I figured I'd get a nice cross-section of opinion, which is what I got, although I have to admit to being a little surprised at the positive response from both of you. See, people keep saying that as if we're constantly <laughs> negative. I know, yeah. Civil War was negative because it was crap. <laughs> but I think you can count on one hand the number of times we've been deliberately negative. Yeah. Even Secret Wars, we pointed out the fun stuff. Don't worry, let's leave it I thought Secret Wars was brilliant a couple of episodes. I thoroughly enjoyed doing Secret Wars. Uh, Luke continues It seems that Slot is pouring a lot of energy and care into this story since from what I understand it is his baby so like I said about Daredevil big thumbs up for those that are enjoying it but it's not my cuppa joke In a somewhat rare bit of editorial synergy the idea of Doctor Octopus being old and decrepit was not limited to the Spider-Books There was a storyline in Invincible Iron Man which shell Shellhead against the invalid Doc Ock with Ock trying to force Tony to repair the damage to his body actually a pretty good storyline despite Fraction's obsession with cowing Tony but that's another matter
0: yes I read that did you it led into fear itself what happened was um, I remember I, I, this is what I remember right. Doc Hawk threatened him by saying that he had some kind of device and Tony assumed it was a bomb so essentially it got to the point where Dr. Octopus had made Tony bow at his feet and fix him up and then he's like now we really defuse the bomb and Dr. Octopus said I said a device not a bomb oh right I keep meaning to read Matt Fraction's
1: run. There's a book in Smith's at the minute that's his first seven issues of Matt Fraction's run. Yeah. In in like a magazine format. Have you yeah. seen it? No. And it's apparently going to be the first of a series of these collections. It's a tenner. Yeah. For all seven issues. But like it's just like a magazine. It's not a hardback graphic novel or, or it's weird. Or a paperback. Yeah. It's very strange. It's like Q. Yeah. Or Empire, but it's got seven comic books in it. Fair enough. Published by Panini. I keep looking at it going, should I buy this? Well, we already have six issues. Do we? Well, we'll have to get the out. Oh, Luke continues. But when all this stuff about Doc Ock being on Death's Door started coming out in the lead-up to Superior, I had to smile. Marvel had already sold the idea in other books. Good work. Well, that's the good thing about a shared universe, isn't it? Mm. When these, stuff, these things work out, they work out well. In issue eight, all those bad guys show up, including the master planner. But no Morbius. Thanks for that, Marvel. Much obliged. You know I meant to go back and see if Morbius was there and I just missed him. Yeah. I don't remember him being there, to be honest with you.
0: But I would have to go back well, he's and check. buggering off in his own book. He, he, does, he doesn't have time to cameo in Spider-Man's book.
1: Surely cameoing in Spider-Man's book would have led to an increase in sales for his own book, perhaps.
0: Mm-hmm. You never know. Crossover Polynesia. But he was busy being brooding and deep and black and white and French. Michael Morbius isn't French, is he? No, one of the, he, he's, a, he's one of the he's he's one he's the protagonist for one of those French films where the guy stands in the corner in a trench coat, smoking, in black and white. Is he really? He is. You're just making think it so about, no, Think about it; it fits. I suppose it kind of does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> David Lynch French <laughs>
0: film, is it? Michel Morbius.
1: He's <laughs> <laughs> that comedian who was on Russell Howard? Which one? Did you not see him, the French guy? No. I mean, it pained me to admit it was quite funny no. He was quite fun. I don't remember his name though. anyway, Luke's email, because that's off topic unfortunately in my mind, Superior Spider-Man is cemented as a gimmick, more so than a story. Maybe it's my increased amount of cynicism compared to 20 years ago but I don't see this as an event story like Doomsday or Nightfall, I just see it as another overhyped piece of work from the Marvel Brain Trust specifically the Spider-Office, which seems to bring these types of swerves out every 18 months or so, and then hike them into the sky only for it to be discarded somewhere and replaced with the next gimmick Again, that might be me more than the actual storyline, but there you go. Some general notes. I wholeheartedly agree about the overly cluttered covers on the Marvel Now books. They just look so busy and overwrought. Which is unfortunate because a lot of the covers have been quite nice, but they've been ruined by the inane amounts of cover copy. I can live without the Marvel Now logo, the AR logo, all of it. Eliminate the clutter. If the movie Green Goblin's Glider broke into five parts and then merged together to form one giant robot, then we'd have called it the Voltron Glider. <laughs> of course, that wouldn't have been comics
0: accurate, but it would have been awesome! Which is better? It would have been. Would, a, would that have been awesome? Spider Man versus Voltron versus Godzilla. <laughs>
1: I loved the old Alfred Hitchcock shows from Universal Studios Orlando. I never got a chance to be on stage, but that show, both the 3D movie part and then the live action portion, was one of my favourites of the original Universal Attraction lineup. I have gotten on stage at a Universal show, first in Hollywood. I played a Klingon at the classic Star Trek experience. You even got to be on the bridge, and I have a pitch to prove it. And then I got dropped off a platform in Earthquake in Orlando. Ah, good times, great memories. Thanks for covering Marvel now, because even though I'm not reading them, at least I can buy some of the hype. Luke. P.S. When is your new
0: Smiths podcast starting up? As soon as we get the <laughs> Earwolf show started. As
1: soon as we've done every episode of Earwolf. Yeah. Except the terrible fourth season. And then we'll do a Smiths podcast. Yeah. And we shall... Uh, what should we call that? Um,
0: our jokes aren't funny anymore. That
1: joke isn't funny anymore? Big A Smiths ma- podcast? Big, big Mouth strikes, strikes Again! Big Mouth Strikes Again. That's the one! Big Mouth Strikes Again, a Smiths podcast. I'm down with that. Thank you very much, Luke. We appreciate there's a, there's your email. are a
0: podcaster who never shuts up. <laughs> Some podcasters are bigger than others. <laughs> podcasters in a the theater.
1: <laughs> They're not strange. They just like to live their life well, that way. That's pretty strange. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, next. Final. Final email tonight. We've only got that one podcasters? email. Podcasters. No, what? Louder than
0: podcasters.
1: See, that's an album title, that one doesn't really work. I like some podcasters. I like Big Mouth Strikes Again. Only song
0: titles count.
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay. That one's huge. Big Mouth Strikes Again, and I've got no (laughs) rights to take my place in the human race. So now I know Joan of Arc felt... Uh, now I know how of Arc felt. Have you heard Johnny Marr's version? No, I have not heard Johnny he Marr's version. that
0: Glastonbury and on Jules Holland. It's very good.
1: Was Johnny <laughs> Marr at Glastonbury? Yeah. Was that televised? It was. I did not see Johnny Marr at Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. Somebody Kenny Rogers. Yeah. And Bruce Forsyth. It
0: was one of those uh, ones where, you know, later on in the shows he played two songs off someone's set. Hmm. Well, he played one of his own and then...
1: It Is it on the website? Probably. Right, I may check that out. I like a bit of Johnny Marr. Um, anyway, back on topic again. Paul Spataro emails in with, hey... As his subject heading, which I quite like. Hey, it's, it's good that. Hello, Leyland. Hello, Paul. One more thing about civil war. Don't oh, forget that's played out now. <laughs> it is a bit. Yeah. But if you've got something to say about civil war, email in. We will talk about it. Uh, we will get a trailer out soon, says Paul. Bill and I are planning it as we speak, but Bill's comic brilliance cannot be rushed. Also, we have to work around Scott's beauty sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, yes, the, he does need that. Um, and yes, genius cannot be rushed. Mm-hmm. So, fur player, we will we await your Back to the Bins trailer with bated breath. But go and check it out anyway, because it's cool. I like Back to the Bins. Um, Paul continues, Jim Staranko is awesome. My biggest complaint about him is that he did so little. I've met him a couple of times now, and he defies logic. He's a slight man in his 70s with, with a questionable herpes. <laughs> ha ha ha! And yet, something about it oozes cool. You're right that he is often overlooked in favour of Neil Adams for some reason. I'm not sure why that is. Specifically, you can find similarities, and they were both pushing the envelope as far as the accepted tropes of storytelling went, but the styles are still distinct and easily separated. Certainly, there should be plenty of accolades for both. It was a great choice for you to cover his cat run. Best, Paul. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Uh, I did consider his Nick Fury Stuff? Mm. But I reread a bit of that recently. And whilst I still enjoyed it, I didn't think it was as good as his Cap stuff. Yeah. So we plumped for Captain America. So that's Captain America's three issues. Yeah. That fits perfectly into a show, really. does not
0: it the uh, Nick Fury one with all the cool psychedelic? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Work. I mean, the artwork was was brilliant, but some of the stories were a bit. <laughs> right. Mad. It was the '60s, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, I felt the Cap one held up better.
0: Why, what happens? Like, hey, Nick, do you want to take down Hydra? No, I want to smoke till me this bliff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, that, that doesn't matter. Anyway, we brought the emails in on time, on schedule. So we can't have anybody complaining at us this week. We'll be right back. Michael's got the con again. Yep. Don't know what he's talking about. I've not done any work. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey, Johnny, it's been
0: a while. Yeah, it's a good thing we're off our hiatus. Yeah, now we can finally get back to talking about some classic Daredevil issues. What if we threw some current Daredevil in there? You mean the awesome Mark Wade run?
2: Sure, I'd love to talk about that stuff. Awesome. So if any of our listeners want to join us again, or if any listeners want to join us along the way, they can listen to From Yellow to Red, a
1: Daredevil podcast. It's found on iTunes and at fromyellowtored.libson.com. Yay! <laughs>
2: Stare at the stars and the sky up above and think, what am I?
0: Indeed we are. Yes. Before we continue with the comic, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the games. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, which we're covering, was released to critical acclaim and was re-released several times. And also helped in the success of Team Silent Hill, as the demo disc was included in the PAL version of Metal Gear Solid. There's a story behind that. Tell us the story. Okay. Whenever... A PlayStation 1 game had more than one or two discs. It would have two little tiny boxes put together so it opens both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Now, for this disc, Kojima didn't want Silent- the Silent Hill demo disc to be in the PAL version. Okay. So to trick him with that, uh, they switched around the way it is. In the Japanese... Well, with Japanese games, the box opens uh, right to left. Like, like the books yeah. go from the other one. So when Kojima was checking it, he opened it right to left, and there was the two Metal Gear Solid discs, so he was happy with that. But, when you open it left to right, the Silent Hill discs, he uh, didn't bother to check it uh, to check that, because he opens it right to left. Right. So they tricked him. They did. Those cursed scumbags. Yeah. Uh, in 1998, Metal Gear Solid Integral was released in Japan and came with the, an extra disc of virtual reality missions that would be released worldwide, known as Metal Gear Solid Special Missions. A novel and a comic series were also released, one of which you might have heard about. The novel by Raymond Benson was received very well, as it acted as a guide more than the comic did, and the characters were written out of character, despite being approved by Kojima himself. The game also inspired an audio drama that was broadcast in weekly segments on the syndicate radio program called Club DB, which aired on the radio station Nippon Cultural Broadcasting. The drama lasted twelve installments, which aired between October 24, nineteen ninety eight, and January 9, nineteen ninety nine. It focused on Snake, Marilyn Ca- Campbell, and Mei Ling in new adventures set after the first game, but outside of the main can- uh, canon. In two thousand. Metal Gear Solid Ghost Babel was released on the Game Boy Color. Ghost Babel was a new story that acted as an alternative sequel to Metal Gear 2. It would, however, link to other games, particularly MGS2, as once all the game's VR missions were completed, a person known as Number 4 talked about the next subject, Jack. Number 4 is most likely a member of the Patriots and Jack is the name of Raiden, the protagonist of MGS2. In 2004, Kojima and Shigeru Miyamoto produced The Twin Snakes on the Nintendo GameCube, which was developed by Silicon Knights, developers of Eternal Darkness, and written by Ryue Kitamura. Twin Snakes was a remake of the original, built on the engine of MGS2, but received a major backlash from fans due to stiff voice acting, character models that looked like wax dolls, and more over-the-top action than a John Woo movie. To this day, fans still don't know which version is canon, as MGS4, the answer to all the game's inconsistencies, used elements from both versions, from when Snake returns to Shadow Moses Island in Act 4 of the game. Okay. And now... And does that bring us up to date with Metal Gear Solid's mythology? It brings us up to date on the versions of the first game. Oh, right. I can go into loads of talk about all the other ones, and I probably will at the end of the show. (laughs) Preemptive strike. Though. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, okay. Well, we we ended last time with issue six, so, so we start today with issue. We start today with issue ten. <laughs> yes, and then we'll go back to seven. Yes, and then and we'll then to, to Nine, and then yeah, we'll we'll bounce around and see if people can make sense of the story. Yeah, that would be great, that, wouldn't it? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. No, we're going to do issue seven. Yes, chronologically. Um, the cover of issue seven is Psycho Mantis looking moody. It's a bit.
0: Yeah. Doesn't it? Also includes characters you don't read other people's notes. Why? Because that was my note. Was it? Yeah. Oh, right. You put, Are You My Mummy?
1: Well, he does wear a gas mask, so he does look suspiciously like um, the Doctor Who episode. Are You My Mummy? So everyone,
0: everyone who wears gas masks look like a Doctor Who character. Are You parrot, My so.
1: Mummy? Yes, that's pretty much how it Probably works enough.
0: now. If you wear a gas mask, it's. it's terrifying. Uh, are came You out. My Mummy? Adam thought it would be hilarious to whisper it whenever I was trying to go to sleep.
1: Are
5: You My Mummy?
0: did that freak you out? it did freak yeah. me out fair enough mm-hmm. tell us the plot of this one Michael Snake turns to see Meryl holding him up she puts her pants on and hands Snake one of the three palkies Snake asks where the other two are but Meryl only has one and doesn't know where the others are Mantis takes over and Meryl co- well what use is she then <laughs> yeah Mantis takes over Meryl and controls her to convince Snake to let her go with him Elsewhere, in the caves, Sniper Wolf is talking to her wolves, when she notices that they've been fed recently. She hears breathing behind her and finds Oticon. Before she can fire, Liquid calls her and Oticon escapes with the stealth camouflage. In the commander's office, Meryl starts coming on to Snake, and pulls her gun on him. Snake knocks her out and sees Mantis hovering above her. Mantis' speech is cut off and Master Miller jumps in and guns him down. Negotiations have broken down and Liquid is about to fire Rex, so Miller has been sent to ensure that Snake destroys it before he does. On the way there, Snake senses that something is off, but is confronted by Vulcan Raven. Snake and Raven gun down the Raven's Raven, before Grey Fox jumps in and holds off Raven- Wolf the Raven! (laughs) Yes! So Snake can reach Rex, and tells him to look after his sister. They reach the control panel and Miller tells him to input the PAL keys and the code. Snake says he doesn't have the two codes and Ocelot and Liquid appear behind them with Meryl as a hostage. Snake notices that Ocelot has two hands and shoots Miller who transforms into Mantis. Snake sees the hallucination had far too many inconsistencies and so Mantis makes Meryl put her gun to her head and shoot.
1: Whenever I was listening to that, I just flashed back to that old TV show, Mantis. <laughs> it's probably only me, and possibly Michael Baylor, who remember Mantis. Fair enough. <laughs> um, uh, page one I never had no idea you were so feminine, Snake says by way of
0: seduction. Why did you give Snake Mailing's voice? I
1: don't know! Because <laughs> <laughs> he's rather nondescript. Should, should we do it in Snake's guy. voice? Go on then. I had no idea you were so feminine, Snake says by way of seduction. You're wasting your time! Meryl replies after we've had a shot of her (laughs)
2: ass.
0: (laughs) Crashed and burned, didn't he? (laughs) Poor snake. Yeah. Um, She's not wearing much in the way of panties, it has to be said. Well, no. Uh, In the game, Meryl appears fully dressed. Unless the player is quick enough to catch her before she puts her pants on. Ah. Uh, the comic apparently likes a pantsless Meryl, as well, we saw her in her underpants earlier.
1: Of course they do, they know who the target audience is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's us.
0: You know yeah. You know what would attract a wider audience? If we had scratchy lined asses? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love
1: that they, they've they made no effort whatsoever to cover that that's gratuitous, because he even <laughs> says
5: you got a great
1: though <laughs> And you're like, okay, Lance <laughs> (laughs) hanging on it let's make no attempt whatsoever to hide the fact we are gratuitously showing her ass because she's even bending down why she pulls her pants up that does not, that's not how you put pants on doesn't happen like that Uh, I mean I'll give him a pass it is the only really gratuitous ass shot we've got in the entire 12 issues isn't it? You need to keep readers interested yeah you do need, especially with this artwork so yeah Uh, page 2 Page five, because Ashley Wood has read Electra Assassin too much, this page vacillates wildly between fully painted panels and sketchy pencils, and the effect is just jarring and calls far too much attention to itself. Or did you like this art, boy? I kind of thought it was pretty neat. I did not like any of the art in this. It started off okay, Hmm. and then it just got to a point where I just... No. And later on, as I actually started getting into the story, yeah. I found the art was just getting in my way of enjoying it. Mm. Once you get past issue six or seven of this, the story actually gets quite good. Yeah.
0: Well, the artwork, it's, you need to know what's going on. It, it's helped that you made me play the game as well, mm. I think. Um, the comic completely skips Merrill's. I wanted to be a soldier to be closer to my dead dad story, including her saying she took her Desert Eagle from the same truck Snake found as SoCOM, and the "I'm more comfortable with a gun than my bra" speech. I missed that because it was Shakespearean in its epicness. Did, were they talking in the in the toilets?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, and were the chatting just, in the bogs? They were actually. In Is that after I just walked in and shot that guy in the head as he was
0: taking a pee? Yeah. Right. I did that all the time. It's it's funny to sneak up on him and, like, choke him to death.
1: It's a pity you can't do that Duke Nukem thing of going, Ah!
0: (laughs) Yeah. I needed that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The whole hallucination sequence is new to the comic, presumably to make up the fourth wall breaking boss fight that includes changing skirt extensions. Oh,
1: God, that was
0: irritating in the game. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The player having to change the controller and Mantis reading the player's memory card and commenting on game progress and moving the controller. God, that was irritating. And all that stuff where you'd be fighting and suddenly it'll lose its signal. Yeah, well, it's pretty neat at the time when you're not expecting it. You're like, oh. No, (laughs) it's getting in the way of the game. Oh, yeah, but when you sat there playing it and then all of a sudden he goes, you like playing Castlevania, don't you? (laughs) No, I just found
1: it very, very irritating. Fair enough. When I was trying to play it, and suddenly
0: it kept cutting out,
1: and that was annoying. You have to change game controller port yeah. halfway through the fight, and you're the fourth wall breaking, groundbreaking stuff. No, it was groundbreaking stuff when David and Maddie used to do it. <laughs> this was just annoying, and I was starting to actually quite get into that fight mm. in the game. But none of that's
0: in here, is it? That's completely no. skipped out. Snake just guns him down pretty quickly. Snake just
1: shoots him without the big fight scene, which makes sense in a comic. Yeah. I mean, unless you're going to have an entire issue of fighting, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's executed. well. lone wolf and cub did volumes of it. Yeah, and got away with it. Uh, Page 23, I did like that Snake saw through the hallucination, sorry, but didn't tell how he saw through it. It really bugs me in films and comics and stuff, when people give away stuff like that, when they actually tell the bad guy how they've done what they did. Yeah. That may come in useful later on, mm.
0: knowing how to do that. So I did like that he didn't do that. It was a bit silly that there were too many inconsistencies. Because one of them was that there was some uh, doors out of place. Yeah. Whereas Mantis is taking over the the island. Why does he not know where everything's set? And um, also ha- lot has two hands... The amount Ocelot complains that he's had his hand cut off. Well, I was thinking that, I mean... the fact that they're on the same team.
1: Does, doesn't Ocelot's hand keep changing which hand he's had cut off? Yeah. So was that part of the inconsistencies of Psycho
0: Mantis's... No, that was just part of the art's inconsistencies. Oh, because right, does he do that when he's not a hallucinator?
1: Yeah. Right, okay, fair
0: enough. All right. Uh, because it was in uh, an, an hallucination... Is it an or a?
1: A hallucination
0: is singular, so it'd be a, wouldn't it? A hallucination. Well, because it was a hallucination, we can overlook the fact that um, to reach Rex, Snake had to go through the snowfield and the communications towers, despite the fact that Oticon told him that that's what he had to do. Yeah, maybe he did it off-panel. Yeah. And
1: this cliffhanger engineer was completely manufactured from the game, oh, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs>
0: Whereas it didn't even have the whole... It specifically says bang yeah. in the comic. And in the next issue, she has shot half of her head off. Yeah, and it's just... Well, no, she missed. She's still okay. But she's still bleeding. She, like, shoots her ear or something. Yeah, yeah I thought that was slightly ridiculous. I did like that this one had
1: um, who's who in the DC universe bits at the end. Yeah. Or who's but who in the Metal Gear Solid universe. It's pretty
0: useless because the, the Grey Fox one just says uh, status, N-A, age, N-A. Yeah, everything's just
1: not, not applicable The Ninja's act actuator suit is equipped with stealth camouflage and he can detect minute movements in the air. Yeah. And Octocon got one as well. But he Octacon. was quite a useless character, wasn't he? Octocon, yeah, not octocon. He's not
0: useless. He's, he's not good. He's more important later. He does have a major role in the second and fourth games.
1: And Great. His dad,
0: <laughs> his dad has a major role in Peace Walker and the fifth game. So the 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 Emmerichs are very important to the later on in the mythology. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. Fair enough. I had no idea you were so feminine.
2: This is no time to try and hit on you, Snake.
0: Issue number eight. Uh, issue number eight has a cover of Sniper Wolf not worrying very much despite her being in Alaska. Yeah,
1: she should put some clothes on. She's gonna get cold. Mm. But she's clearly got nothing on under that coat. Nope. You'd think she, you know fasten it up a bit instead of having it up to a belly button. Oh, yeah. And then flashing all of her thighs. I like a green her though. I'm a big fan of green her. Mm. I think that, that always looks good on a woman.
0: She has a motion nagant. Does
1: she? Yeah. Well, I think she can get cream for that. <laughs> Tell us what happens in this one.
0: Meryl misses the shot. Oh, cause she's point blank! <laughs> she's got the gun pointing at the temple of her head! How did she miss?! Nanomachines. Big mouth strikes again. Yes. And before she can shoot again, Snake throws a stun grenade and knocks her out. Mantis beats Snake with his psychic abilities and makes him see all the people he's killed claw at his face. Snake quickly recovers and shoots Mantis down. In his dying breath, Mantis opens the door to the cave tunnels that lead to the communications towers. Elsewhere, Liquid and Ocelot discuss Snake and Mantis until Raven tells him that Mantis is dead and that it could have been something called Fox Die. Liquid informs Sniper Wolf that it's up to her to stop Snake, as Snake and Meryl walk through the secret cave tunnel. Meryl takes points once they reach the hallway outside and is shot by a sniper. Snake fires back at Sniper Wolf, but decides to run out at her, firing flash grenades as he runs. As soon as he reaches Wolf, he's surrounded by guards and knocked out. When he wakes up, he sees Liquid, Ocelot, and Wolf, as Liquid states that the two are brothers. Um. Snake. When Mantis makes Snake see all the people he's killed, Hmm. it's very similar to a sequence in Metal Gear Solid 3, when Naked Snake walks down a river, whilst all the soldiers and the men and the bosses that the player has killed come towards him. So if you've only killed two people, only two people will come at you. But if you've killed everyone in the game, then you're going to be walking down there for half an hour. Right, avoiding all the dead soldiers that you've killed that were just mindlessly having a pay. Yeah. Minding their own business. Oh, it's fun to do that on, on Snake Eater. There's, there's, <laughs> gameplay-wise, there's so much to do. Just wander around killing people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, random. Um, the fight between
1: Psycho Ninja and, and Snake's a lot more psychological in the comic than it is in the game. Whilst the game does give a lot more backstory and character development, and it, it just got into another tedious run-around in circles and fire whilst avoiding stuff being thrown at you. Whilst here, Mantis tries to get into Snake's head a bit which I quite liked. Mm. I thought this was a bit more psychological. I mean, he still just ends it by shooting him in the head.
0: Well, it's arguably just as psychological in the game because he's not talking to Snake, he's talking to the player. Yeah, but he's constant... Why? Yeah,
1: that gets on your nerves. And it's like the other one, where the other guy was saying, Oh, make me feel pain! And you're like, well, just stand still and let me (laughs) shoot you then. It's all that (coughs) honour. Bull. (laughs) It does all that honour. The brothers fighting each other
0: to the death. Are they? Yes.
1: Yeah, okay, Fair uh, Page 10, I honestly didn't believe that he actually did say we're not so different, you and I. <laughs> and you're like, cliche, tick. <laughs> but then they turn out that well, that's why they're not so different, yeah. isn't it? So I suppose it does make sense within the, the context of the game. And I've already mentioned that I, I don't understand how Meryl missed blowing her own head off, mm. given that she had the gun pointed at her temple. What did she do at the last minute?
0: Move the gun. She didn't. They say that she was fighting against the control. They did try
1: and establish that she was fighting against the control of it, but that was, still seemed a bit implausible that she could miss at point blank range with a Desert Eagle. Yeah, it, I didn't. I didn't get that stuff. Yeah, you know, whatever. Obviously, we don't want Meryl to die, do we? <laughs> well.
0: Well... Unless I play the yeah. obviously. Uh, page 13, Snake says that the dogs are half husky, half dogs, but doesn't say why he knows that. In the game, it's because he was a musher. But since he was hiding in Western America and not Alaska, there's not much mushing he could do. No, I didn't think about that. That was quite funny. Um, David hated an interview with IGN, and he just, whenever he quoted bits from the game, he'd do it in Snake's voice. Would he? So he'd be, yeah, well, Snake's a, a musher. I mean, a musher. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Sniper Wolf only shoots Meryl uh, once in the comic, whereas in the game. She fires multiple times in a platoon-esque scene. Snake also has to run all the way back to the first building in the game to pick up the sniper. And when he returns, Merrill is gone. This is all skipped over in the comic to save time. And, and issues. also sets up another subplot where Merrill is a hostage. Right. What?
2: Just a hiding wall.
0: Western America. Her wolf has
1: been hidden somewhere in the western United States by its test pilot, Stringfellow Hawk and so was Snake but he's not mushing Snake has promised to return her wolf <laughs> only if we can find his brother Solid Snake Liquid Snake Liquid Snake who has been MIA since Vietnam
2: but
1: well, they not Gaseous Snake it was <laughs> not Gaseous <laughs> Snake no. <laughs> well that totally works as well um, I quite like this as an issue I thought, I thought the story was really building up here much better than it was in the first six issues where essentially it was just translating the, the game and not doing a particularly good job of it yeah once we've got over all of that, the comic has started making some differences to the storyline which have benefited the comic story. To have Snake just go from room to room fighting, picking up stuff from closets, fighting, picking up stuff from closets, going from room to room, fighting, picking up stuff from closets, is fine in the game, but it's a bit boring in the comic. So I'm glad to see that they're mixing it up a little bit in the comic books, mm. rather than uh, just slavishly adapting the game. Yeah.
2: So... <laughs> You used the
3: other. I wasn't able to read the future.
5: The strong man doesn't need to read the future. He makes his own.
3: Perhaps so,
5: but I will read your future. <laughs>
3: Metal Gear's underground maintenance base. You have to go through that hidden door. There's a hidden door behind the bookcase. The overland route. It's blocked by frozen glaciers. Go past the communication towers. And use the tower's walkway.
5: Why are you telling me this?
3: I can read people's minds. In my lifetime, I have read the past, presents and futures of thousands upon thousands of men, men and women. Oh, gross. And each mind that I peered into, was stuffed with the same single object of obsession. That selfish and atavistic desire to pass on one seed. It was enough to make me sick. Every living thing on this planet exists to mindlessly pass on that DNA. We're designed that way. And that's why there is war. But you... You are different. You're the same as us. We have no past, no future. We live in the moment. That's our only purpose. Humans weren't designed to bring each other happiness. From the moment we're thrown into this world... We're fated to bring each other nothing but pain and misery. The first person whose mind I dove into was my father's. I saw nothing but disgust and hatred for me in his heart. My mother died in childbirth. And he despised me for it. I thought my father was going to kill me. (sighs) That's when my future disappeared. I lost my past as well. When I came to, the village was engulfed (laughs) in flames. Are you saying that you burned your village down to bury
5: your past? I see that you have suffered the same trauma.
3: (laughs) We are truly the same, you and I. The world is a more interesting place with people like you in it. I never agreed with the boss's revolution. His dreams of world conquest do not interest me. I just wanted an
5: excuse
3: to kill as
5: many people as I could.
4: You monster.
5: Let him talk. He doesn't have much time left.
3: I've seen through evil. You, Snake, you're just like the boss. Now you're worse. Compared to you, I'm not so bad. I left her mind as well. Meryl's? I saw you there. You have a large place in your heart. A large place? Yes, a large place. But I do not know if your futures lie together. I have a last request. What is it? My mask. Put it back on. Okay. Like this. Other people's thoughts force their way into my mind before I die. I want to be by myself. I want to be left alone in my own world. I'll open the door for you. If you want to find your future, go
2: through that door. This is the
3: first time I've ever used my power Help someone it's strange it feels
0: kind of nice the cover for issue 9 is a snake in front of liquid's hind D helicopter
1: oh is that what that is? yeah I thought it was the dropship from aliens because <laughs> it does look like the dropship from yeah. aliens either
0: that or he's got something horrible growing out of his head <laughs> Now that I think about it, now that I've finished the comic, you don't mention the Russians. Is that a bad thing? Well, it's pretty important, because the Hind D is a Russian helicopter and it gave away that the Russians are somehow involved in the operation. Right. And the soldiers who were there uh, are Golukovich soldiers, who are the main soldiers in Metal Gear Solid 2 under the control of Sergei Golukovic but did they trim all that in the comment yeah, you don't they, they, they don't mention so, oh, it do they don't forget the Russians because later on when Liquid and Ocelot are talking outside Rex right. Ocelot says what are we going to do about the Russians and Liquid just says well I don't care about returning Russia to its own former glory like I promised Gulukovich, I don't care about them we'll just bomb them fair enough <laughs> alright tell us what happens in this one Liquid is about to tell Snake that the two are the last remaining sons of Big Boss before he's called about Washington not giving in to their demands. Liquid leaves Snake to Ocelot and tells him to extract his DNA as it will act as a temporary solution to the genome mutation but that he shouldn't kill him like he did with the DARPA chief. Before she leaves, Wolf tells Snake that Meryl is still alive. Snake asks Ocelot if Rex was designed to fire nuclear warheads from the start and he tells him to ask Campbell instead. Ocelot then asks Snake what's the trick to using the PAL keys, but Snake has no idea. Ocelot then starts to play a game with Snake. If Snake can withstand the electric interrogation then Meryl will be freed, but if he gives in, (laughs) then Meryl is Ocelot's. Elsewhere, Wolf forces Meryl to watch Snake's torture, until she sees Grey Fox behind Ocelot. Fox chases Ocelot away and frees Snake before running away himself. Wolf rushes to intercept Snake at the underground base entrance before bumping into Otacon. Otacon asks why she has to kill Snake and she then gives him her mother's handkerchief rather than an actual answer and leaves. Snake questions Campbell about Rex via codec and Miller interrupts and puts Snake on a secure line and tells him about someone in Snake's backup team who is a traitor. Snake makes his way to the communications tower but is pushed away from the elevator to the top floor by a group of guards. Mei Ling tells Snake that there's a bridge to the other communications tower on the top floor. When Snake reaches the roof, he's attacked by Liquid in the Hind D helicopter.
1: Um, I liked this one as well. I thought this one's delving a bit deeper into the, uh, mm. the story. Um, social commentary on page four. Um, where he says that uh, the politicians aren't responding to our demands. They're trying to avoid any leaks about Metal Gear and the precious new nuclear weapon. Predictable as always, putting innocent lives ahead of whatever. Mm.
0: politics ahead of innocent lives yeah social commentary oh. all like that they all have like little messages in them the first one it's the nuclear warheads and the storage of nuclear warheads and that um, the second one's about video games um, the th- <laughs> video games corrupting the youth of the world which <laughs> is in the fourth one which is everyone thinks war is just a game because of things like Call of Duty uh, and things like that and while being treated as a business. Yeah, fair enough. So they all had little metaphors in them. Uh, on page
1: 8, I did like the, the French fry gag. Yeah. Did you know it was the French who began first using electric shocks as a means of torture? Mm. It was called French fry. You French fry. <laughs> that actually made me laugh. Yeah. I thought that was a joke. Okay, is that true? I don't know, but it's a funny gag. Yeah. <laughs> so Okay, I'll accept that as true. Because yeah, it, yeah. it made me
0: laugh. Um, bit sick, but made me laugh. I know, you she started laughing when I brought up the torture sequence yes, of to the game. yes. So who gave yes. in to the torture? I did not give in
1: <laughs> to the torture. I was at the end of my life. I either quit or I died. Now, if I die, the game's over, <laughs> surely. If Meryl dies, it's unfortunate, but it leaves me still alive to complete the game and save the world. <laughs> now judgment call I elected for me to live to save the entire world and one woman die rather than pointlessly save one person's life and the entire world be destroyed Anyway. or you so, could have
0: the, the best ending where you save Meryl and the rest of the world He's constantly pressing that O button. Was irritating, I, couldn't even, even I couldn't even do I had to get a spoon and rub it on dead fast. See?
1: So even you couldn't do it. So I had no chance of doing it. So I, got I made a judgement
0: call. It's unfortunate, but, you know. I actually got Adam to do it for me on Peace Walker. I could not do that. Because so. Adam's got excellent <laughs> wrist movement, has he? I got Adam with his master hand to do it for me. <laughs> Well, he is only 14. So, yeah, yeah. 14-year-old boy. Um, but they He's got a lot to- of exercise <laughs> for that. <laughs> The torture sequence itself is much more integral in the game. It is, that's true. It works, similar to the rules specified in the comic. If the player can hold out, then Meryl survives. But if the player gives in, then she is killed. Or if Snake is killed, then the player goes back to the last time they saved. The player has to rapidly press a button to keep Snake's life up for the duration of the individual shocks. Next, as I've said, if Snake runs out of life, then he dies, and the player has to start from where they last saved. If Snake survives... Then the player gets one ending, and if the player dies, then they get the alternative. After the torture, Snake is then placed in a cell with the actual body of the DARPA chief, um, which is another little subplot. If the player doesn't escape the... Haven't you got to rescue the DARPA chief? Wasn't that your original mission? Yeah, at the beginning, he dies on you because of Fox die, but you then see his body in the cell drained of blood. Now, it's been... You've never seen decoy octopus who's the other member of foxhound but you've heard of him he's the master of disguise right so it's um kind of it tells you that his blood has been drained which is one of the ways that decoy octopus uses disguises right so in the prison cell that's the actual body of the DARPA chief that ocelot killed whereas the, p- the person you met who died of fox die was decoy octopus right okay yes I thought I remember that was part of the original mission statement Mm. if the player doesn't escape the cell in time then they have to do the torture sequence again (sighs) there's too much of that in the game yeah it taking you back from
1: well before the level that you started and you had to do loads of stuff all over again how many times did they say I'm bored
0: Mm. it's a lot easier than the other ones were the first game it's very linear in its structure it's all one building and then you move on to the next building and then you move on to the next building um, the other one is just one big building in a circle He's running run around the a circle right
1: ok right.
0: Uh in the game Otacon gives Snake the handkerchief and ketchup so that he can use them to fake blood and escape from the prison cell right there's one bit if you don't do that because there's several ways to escape from the prison cell one of them being rescued by um, one of them you can hide under the bed and then when the guard comes in to look, you can jump up and beat him up. And they fall for that? Yeah. Okay. Well, this... The the guy... The, the guard is the guy who was naked before he's butt up in the air. Brilliant. Um, you can wait for Ocelot to do it. That does happen in prison, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and he gives you the stuff, like I've said. Um, or... Um, Grey Fox shows up and cuts the cell. Right. He can get out that way. If you... If... Otticon shows up and gives you the ketchup and the handkerchief, but you don't use it. Later on, when Snake escapes, he starts dissing on Otticon for not helping him, and Otticon says, Well, I thought you knew what I was getting at, you were just an idiot. Alright, fair enough. Um, Master Miller's plot twist at the end of the game is foreshadowed on page 19 in the art. In what way? Well, the three panels are blue, right? Yes. Except for the one that Miller's in. Which is red? Yes, and whenever foxhound are talking, It's red. are red, yeah. Right. There
1: is a method in the madness with the artwork then. Yeah. Right, okay. Uh, again, I thought this was really picking up in just terms of the comic, nothing to do with the game. The streamlining of the story is working in the comics favour and the divergent tangents that pad out the game ...has successfully avoided. In fact, this may be the best issue of the comic so far. Following a linear pattern that centres purely on Snake in his quest, the art is still god-awful in places. But the story's much better, and has stopped just trying to ape the game and concentrate on being a comic first. I've actually started enjoying reading it. Mm. We actually got to a point around issue 7 or 8 where I actually got engrossed in the story. Yeah. And it even helped me get past the art, which I still think isn't very good. No. In many places. Next up, issue 10. Before we go on to the next issue, the cliffhanger ending for this... Yeah. ...was the big helicopter that you've already mentioned, the big Russian helicopter, opening fire on Snake. Again, how did he miss? Because he's crap. He's right underneath the gun cannon. Yeah. I can only assume that the pilot of that Snake, that Snake, that helicopter, is a bit crap.
0: Well, it's liquid. It's supposed to be
1: great and just as a equal to solid...
0: Yeah, at point-blank range, yeah. in a
1: military helicopter gunship, he can't hit the broad side of a barn. Yeah. Okay. but is you know, it, Did he learn his training for his shooting at Stormtrooper school? Yeah. <laughs> Only Stormtroopers are this precise, really, Ben? <laughs> really? Stormtroopers are precise, are they?
0: yeah mm-hmm. well you know that last um, splash page of the helicopter attacking snake was recent. recently sold at a charity auction was it yeah for how much no idea I just for don't free <laughs> yeah sorry Ashley Wood you're a very good artist <laughs> I'm sure uh, the cover of Issue 10 is a Vulcan raven's face with a bullet shell in front of him. Oh, is that what it was?
1: I didn't know what this was supposed to be signified. I thought somebody had jammed one of them syringes into his head. No, I thought it was a bullet shell. Right, okay, fair enough. Also, it does look like a bullet canister.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the raven on his head is coming out of his head. Yeah. Because I, he's, he's like the tattoo man, the tattoos he has on him come to life. Oh, right, so okay. all the ravens he has tattooed on him come out and attack Snake. Right, okay, fair enough, that makes
1: a bit more sense then. mm mm-hmm.
0: Snake rushes for the edge of the roof as the hind D fires on him and jumps off the edge with a rope. He latches himself on and watches the hind lose altitude in the explosion and crash with a parachute shooting out of the fall. Liquid lands and tells Wolf to finish off Snake whilst he prepares Rex. As Snake repels down, Wolf shoots the cable and Snake hides once he's hit the ground. Otacon calls him and tells him not to kill Wolf, but the two just fight anyway. Wolf decides to use Otacon as a lure, but Snake shoots her before she can pull the trigger. As Wolf dies, Snake and Otacon gather around her as she speaks to the two, and thanks Otacon for showing her compassion. Liquid and Ocelot argue over the PAL keys and decide to trick Snake into using the override keys, despite only having one of the three, and Vulcan Raven prepares to stop Snake. Snake tells Otacon to hack President Baker's files and find out how to use the override cards and heads down to the wreck storeroom before encountering raven.
1: Uh, which... <laughs> for the raven. Nevermore. Quoth the raven. Page one, the most advanced weapon system in the earth today is opening up with so much firepower at Snake the only way they could possibly keep missing is if Mr. T was piloting it. Yeah. Because that's just ridiculous, the pure amount of firepower going on there and you're just running through it. Well, yeah. Is he intangible? Maybe. The bullies just pass right through Bulletproof it. Bulletproof snake. Bulletproof snake. Oh, don't mention that, we'll get another spin-off. Cool. <laughs> uh, page three, we've got a wonderful line, this is like a video game. Yeah. Could this get any more meta?
0: <laughs> if the characters started talking to the if readers. If the characters started talking
1: to the readers, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm Maddie
0: Hayes. <laughs> The fight with the hind is pretty disappointing in the comic. Snake doesn't even do anything, and it cuts cuts out pretty much all that's in the game, with Snake having to escape from the roof of the communications tower, repel down it while still being shot at, then work his way into the next communications tower, go all the way up, all the way down, find out the elevator doesn't work, go back up, talk to Otacon, then go back up to the um, communications tower again, and then have the boss fight with the helicopter. And here Snake doesn't even do anything. He just, Liquid takes himself out. Yeah, Yeah, there's
1: no way from reading this that you think Liquid Snake is a badass. Yeah,
0: yeah. You just think he's bad. Yeah. And then, in the game, you have to go back down the communications tower, Otacon tells you some more stuff, Tells you that all of his stealth camos were, uh, went missing. And then tells you that the elevator didn't work because it said he was too heavy, even though he was only in it. Then it turns out, once you go down the elevator, that there are four other guys in there who are invisible. So you have to have this awkward fight with four invisible guys in an elevator. And then you go back outside and then have the Sniper Wolf fight. Excellent. Yeah. Good. And um, also, Snake sees Liquid's parachute in the comic, whereas in the game he's believed to be dead until the player finds the parachute on a tree outside of the area after beating the second Sniper Wolf fight. And he's only confirmed that Liquid's alive later in the game. So that's one of the bits you can easily miss. Right. After you've killed Sniper Wolf um, on the right hand side, uh, if you lean against the wall so that it changes camera angle, you can see the parachute. Right. Whereas you can't, just normally. It's outside of the area. Right. Because there is, the game is quite subtle. Yeah. In
1: many places. For a run around and shoot people in the
0: head game. It's not run around and shoot people in the head, it's a run around and don't shoot people in the head game. No, you are, I just, oh, I'm fired on. You are encouraged (laughs) to not fight them. Yeah, I don't listen to that
1: film. Yeah. (laughs) That may be why I wasn't very good at the game. Yeah. (laughs) Can I shoot something yet? (laughs) Why isn't it like college you <laughs> Yeah. At the beginning of Burn Notice shall we shoot them? <laughs> no. Let's try the stealthy approach yeah, first. Yeah. Then can we shoot them?
0: <laughs> oh no. I don't think so. <laughs> One of the little things I found annoying about this was why does Wolf call Hal Otticon when she only knows him as Emmerich? Yeah, oh no. Because he introduces himself to Snake
1: and gives yeah. him that name doesn't he? And then explains what it means. Yeah. Right. You've call the, the, caught call the comic in a continuity goof. Yeah, Can you no prize it?
0: Uh, she overheard him. <laughs> no, that is, she's nowhere near that, dude.
1: That doesn't
0: work at all. Um, he tried coming on to her and saying, "Yeah, veggie wolves. My name's Otakon. It means otaku convention." At which point, the woman fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, disc one of the game because it's split into two discs. Oh, of course it is. It's it's not like they expect people that play this don't have lots of time on their hands. No. Uh, ends after Wolf's death and before Snake enters the blast furnace. If the player returns to Wolf's position on the second disc she'll be gone and replaced by a cub wolf dog. Because of how the PS1 disc switching worked disc 2 is unplayable on the PS3 and most PS2s which is why only the digital ports can be played on the PS3.
1: Right, I see. And then you've got the sniper section. And the
0: gratuitous ass shot. And the
1: gratuitous ass shot which you don't
0: get to tell. This fight can be Ridiculously, hilariously overdone. But instead of having a sniper fight with her, you just get your Nikita rocket launcher out, you know, the remote controlled one. Adam told me I couldn't do that. No, not on the first one, but on the second one you can. Right. Why is
1: the the gun blown her top off? We well, can clearly see her nipples though, or is it just because it's very cold? I
0: mean, it's just very cold. Uh, there is, in Yoji Shinkawa's Art of Metal Gear Solid, there are a couple of pinups of Sniper Wolf not wearing anything. Of course there are. Yeah. It's an
1: art book, isn't it? <laughs> you can get away with that, Frank Cho has. Yeah, yeah Frank Cho's made a career out of it, um, I think. I like the rest of this. I thought it was really quite fun. Lots of action. I liked Ocelot's fury and his listing off of all the things that have gone wrong and the characters are quite funny and very well done. The art is still as ever hard going but at least the characters feel like real people now and not stand-ins for their video game counterparts. Quite liked it. Mm. It's actually started really getting into the comic as we went along.
0: Yeah.
4: I waited for this moment. I am a sniper. Waiting is my job. Never moving
2: a muscle. Constantly.
4: me quick. I am a Kurd. I have always dreamed of a peaceful place like this.
5: A Kurd? So that's why you're called Wolf.
4: I was born on a battlefield. Raised on a battlefield. Gunfire, sirens, and screams. They were my I like dogs day after day, driven from our ragged shelters. That was my life. Each morning I'd wake up and find a few more of my family or friends dead beside me. I'd stare at the morning sun. And pray to make it through the day. The governments of the world turned a blind eye to our misery. But then, he appeared. My hero. Saladin. He took me away from all that. Saladin? You mean Big Boss? became a sniper, hidden, watching everything through a rifle scope. Now I could see war, not from inside, but from the outside, as an observer. I watched the brutality, the stupidity of mankind through the scope of my rifle. I joined this group of revolutionaries to take my revenge on the world. But I have shamed myself and my people. I am no longer the wolf I was born to be. In the name of vengeance, I sold my body and my soul.
5: Wolves are noble animals, they're not like dogs. In Yupik, the word for wolf is keglanek, and the Aluts revere them as honorable cousins. They call mercenaries like us dogs of war. It's true, we're all for sale at some price or another. But you're different, untamed, solitary. You're no dog, you're a wolf. Who are you? Are you Saladin? Wolf. You spared Meryl's
4: life. She? She was never my real target. I don't kill for sport. Rest easy.
5: You'll die as the proud wolf you are.
4: I finally understand. I wasn't waiting to kill people. Cause
5: probably be bombed to hell yeah we might not meet again
3: i'll hang on to my codec i want to keep helping
5: you can leave anytime get a head start a head start on your new life
3: What was she fighting for? What am I fighting for? What are you fighting for?
5: If we make it through this, I'll tell you.
0: What's the next one? Issue 11 is yes. where we're up to, isn't it? Go on. The cover for Issue 11 is of Snake stood under Metal Gear Rex. Snake versus ED-209,
1: in other words... Yeah. It, there's quite a bit of phallic undercarriage going on there as well, well isn't
0: there? Um, that's where the Gatling gun is. Is it really? A little, yeah. That's ga- where his huge weapon is. The Gatling gun and the laser. <laughs> in between his legs. In its little package, yeah. In its little package, and in it just pack. gets bigger as it gets more excited. Yeah. Yeah. A little note is that, uh, <laughs> I, as I mentioned last episode, the image of Rex we saw was based on the original designs for it with the turret, mm. whereas on this one it's the same cannon that's shown in game. Right, so they've switched the designs halfway through. Yeah. Oh, let me switch a... back, back in the story. That makes perfect sense. Indeed, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as Snake and Raven fight, Raven explains that the injection that Naomi gave him at the beginning of the mission was filled with Fox dye as well as the nanomachines. Fox dye is a next-gen retrovirus that targets specific targets for a carrier. The virus simulates a heart attack similar to Baker, the DARPA chief, and the members of Foxhound. Whilst Raven talks, he walks into a claymore and Snake guns him down. In his last breath, Raven tells Snake that rescuing the hostages was a diversion to allow him to kill Foxhound with Foxdive for the Pentagon unknowingly so they can recover Rex and then is eaten by his own ravens. Nevermore! <laughs> Campbell. <laughs> you actually say that, do they? Yeah, yeah, oh, I forgot that. Um, Campbell confronts Naomi and demands to know why she injected Snake. She says it was under the Pentagon's orders, but it was personal as well. Naomi was an orphan found in Zimbabwe and raised by her soldier brother, who died in Zanzibar. Her brother was Frankie Yeager, Grey Fox. Campbell tells Naomi that Snake was under orders and that she has to give him the vaccine, but then is relieved of duty by Secretary of Defense Jim Houseman. Snake finds Rex and sees Liquid and Ocelot in the office, saying that the PAL codes have been entered, and that Rex can be launched at any time. The two levers, Liquid adds the Fox Dye vaccine to the list of demands, and the two levers, Snake enters and inputs the key he has. Otacon tells him that the key is a memory alloy, and that it's three keys in one. All he has to do is freeze and heat the key to make the other two, and then input them to discern Rex. As he does, Miller contacts him and tells him about Hausman, and if the Pentagon are involved, then the operation must go to the top. A snake enters the final key, Rex becomes armed and Miller reveals himself as Liquid, who planned the entire operation from the start. Mwahaha!
1: Page 1, they do make a gag about this in story, but how, how did this huge hulking fellow fit in that tank? He changed his size all the way through the comic so is that part of the story that he changes size or is it just that inconsistency just like that. Oh, in the art just inconsistency
0: yeah because right, right. in well in the game they all have to have their own little models right so he's only he's a giant but he's only so much bigger than every other character so he's not a giant giant No, no well not like this not really. a big friendly giant flipping Vulcan Godzilla <laughs> yeah he's huge in this yeah
1: Snake barely comes up to his knees page 7
0: there's a bit of a continuity error as Raven says that the Derpa Chief slash Decoy Octopus died soon after Baker died, whereas it was the other way round in both the comic and the game.
1: Right. Well, you know, he may be misremembering or talking too quickly. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to follow exactly. They both died, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I like the story segment in the middle of the issue. You don't expect this level of depth from a game of this era. I'm beginning to see why the backstory and the whole mythology of Metal Gear is taking such a strong hold over people. All this stuff in the middle was actually quite good. And it was much more interesting to read it than sit there watching a half-hour cutscene in the middle of a game.
0: Yeah. Well, when you say that games didn't have that depth in that era, you had all sorts of games like Medieval and Metal Gear Solid and and the original Lara Croft games and um, the Oddworld games. Was What have you got now? Like Devil May Cry and Call of Duty? Yeah, but... What
1: I'm saying is there is a whole backstory and mythology to this one game yeah. that you can explore, either going backwards or forwards, was it successful enough to have sequels, which ultimately it was. This is the third. Yeah, but even with the Lara Croft, you've not got this level of backstory no. that's been ploughed into this. They've put a lot of thought into I it. And
0: it's mythology, that's grown over time as well. Yeah, I mean, I presume it's full of contradictions and retcons now. It's mostly retcons now, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like comics! Yeah, like, what he said was the project that created Snake and Liquid happened sometime in, uh, the 80s whilst Big Boss was in a coma. But in the new game, they've retconned it so that he had a coma after they created Liquid and Solid. And he was, a, um... He wasn't in a coma at all when it happened. He was awake and it happened without him knowing about it. And do all these little inconsistencies not bug the fan base like they do in comics? Oh, yeah, but we just roll with it now. all well, right all oh, right, so we're
1: going this way now. Oh, yeah, right. I guess it works, yeah. All right, fair enough. I see, see, when I think you're creating a big mythology like that, you should pay attention to your own backstory. He's just George Lucas in it. No, even George Lucas didn't really change his backstory so much. Everything that happened did happen. Yeah. He just grafted on this idea that Luke was... Darth Vader's son, which Mm. wasn't part of the original storyline. Yeah. That was just something that came when they were doing the Empire Strikes Back.
0: Well, it's more of things that happen in between games that add to it as well that we don't find out about. Like, Big Boss supposedly did over 400 missions Mm -hmm. from the original mission Snake Eater, which is Metal Gear Solid 3, and when um, he's killed in Metal Gear 1. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's only three, four games in between them where you play as big bots. Right. Okay, fair enough. I was
1: just wondering if the game of base was as rabid about the continuity as the comic book fan But still,
0: a lot of it is down to interpretation as well. Like, the fourth game pretty much said that everything is to do with nano machines. Right. But everyone else is saying, but how come? You've got characters who are vampires running on water... You've got snipers who live over 100 years old and have plants growing inside them so they can naturally photosynthesize. Hmm. You've got a crazy astronaut who turns into a a giant fireball face. (laughs) So there's all these little things which are are down to interpretation. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, And Naomi's backstory also has changed slightly as well. In the game, she was found in Rhodesia. But the date she gave means that it was actually called Zimbabwe instead. Right. So the comic kind of fixes that. The game also says that Grey Fox wasn't actually her brother, but just found her on the side of the river. It's a plot twist revealed later, but at, uh, when she tells the story later, she knows he's not her real brother. Right, so he's kind of her
1: adopted brother. Yeah. Or he just looks after her. Yes. Yeah. So is he not more of a father figure, then? <laughs>
0: just says she raised her like her brother. Right, okay, fair enough. Um Um I'll go a bit more. Oh, sorry. Uh, also, I, also, Miller tells Snake about Naomi and Campbell finds out by intercepting the call. Naomi then tells Snake her backstory secretly before being arrested, and Houseman doesn't even show up until the very end of the game.
1: You no, know, I, I thought he came a bit earlier. I mean, I, I think we're past the point here where I'm up to in the game, aren't we? Yeah. I've, um...
0: You've just been brought off after being tortured.
1: Yeah. So I've not actually seen the fight with ED-209. It would have been a huge coincidence that there are heat and cold pipes near the door. Yeah. But it is adequately explained that he's done this deliberately because there are heat and cold pipes near the door. So that's why the code keys work. Yeah. Isn't it? He has to do something with the cold and the heat pipes. Yeah. That would have been hugely coincidental. But he set it up that when you've got that key code, you need to do something with the pipes that are located
0: by the door. Yeah. So I'll let that go as not being coincidental. It's Whereas, the guy that's planning quite yeah. well. Whereas in the game, it's one of those run-back-and-forth ones. It's all in the same building. One of those run-back-and-forth ones that infuriates but me. What you have to do is, once you're up in the office, you have to um, put the room temperature key in hmm. and then run all the way back to the blast furnace at the entrance to the building and then all the way back up the Metal Gear into the office and input that. And run all the way back down to where you fought Vulcan Raven. At which all point all I'd be up. sat there going, BORED! It's not that infuriating because <laughs> when you have to get the sniper, you have to run back through the second building, back through the first building. But at least you're still in the same building for that one.
1: Mm, Alright, fair enough. Um, I did see the plot twist coming, that it was all a con. And it's all a setup. up Yeah. But it was still good. I still—I thought that was quite a decent twist, to mm. be honest with you. And I didn't see it coming from like well in. It was like halfway through this issue. I thought, this is all going to be—he's being manipulated, isn't it? Yeah.
0: So, Mister so, right, Hausman.
1: Yes, by Mister Hausman, who invented the Fembots in the Six Million Dollar Man, or <laughs> <laughs> the bionic Woman, whichever one the Fembots were in. Mm. Liquid
0: Snake. Did you like my sunglasses? Final issue, uh, issue twelve, uh, which has a cover uh, split, more or less in the middle, of liquid versus solid snake. It's Moody McSternface versus Sternface McMoody. As far as the covers go,
1: I think this is one of the best. It is. It's it's adequate. <laughs> at least it's recognisable what it is. Yeah. Why has it got? Thank you, Yoji A. Wood.
0: Uh, Yoji Shinkawa, the artist. Yeah, I'm not. I've not idea what he did, but Yoji is. the the game I presume he
1: helped him with the comic in some way because Hideo Kojima did didn't he Uh, I don't think he did the comics no he'll, he'll have helped them with some details I would have thought
0: I'm not sure I know he oversaw the writing of the novel But I don't know what he did with By John Gardner,
1: who's probably more famous for having written a bunch of James Bond novels. Raymond Benson. Raymond Benson, sorry. Who
0: also is famous for having written more Bond novels. Yeah. I was mixing it up with John Gardner. Well, that makes sense, because reading that, it it is... There is a lot of Bond. Bond, yeah. Even more so in the the book, it's ridiculous the way they characterise Snake. As being a spy. He he comes out with a bunch of funny one-liners every time he kills someone. Right. Have you Have you read the book? I've read bits of it, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, apparently the fourth one is better, because it was written by Project Ito, who was Kojima's best buddy before he passed away. Right, okay. So they've done a number of books, then? Yes, they've done one, two, and
1: four. Is this some Japanese numbering thing? Well, no, it makes sense, because... Does it really? Three...
0: <laughs> yeah, one, two, and four are one story. Oh, the game's
1: one, two, and four. They've not done books numbered 1, 2, and 4. No. Because <laughs> that would just be
0: confusing. Books cover 1, 2, and 4. So that's right. one big story there. Um, <laughs> the guy planned... That would just be silly. Project Ito, who wrote the fourth one, did plan to go back and do the third one, but died before he could. Right, so they're not getting somebody else to do it. Not yet, no. Right. Okay, fair enough. Um, before the two fights, Liquid tells Snake that if die hasn't affected him, then he should be fine. ...and then tells him that the two were created during Les Enfants Terribles, a project to create the perfect clone of Big Boss. Snake was given all of Big Boss's dominant genes, whilst Liquid was given the recessive genes, and that when Snake killed Big Boss, he stole Liquid's chance at revenge, and so Liquid plans the takeover to take his revenge. Liquid gets in Rex and attacks Snake, but Grey Fox jumps in and stops it. Fox reveals himself as Deep Throat before Rex gets back and attacks... <laughs> The two hide and fox tells Snake the truth about Naomi. He killed her parents in Zimbabwe and then raised her as a means of forgiving himself. He then runs towards Rex and destroys the radon that automatically locks onto targets with his sword. Then Snake fires the rocket launcher at Rex but is sent backwards and gets knocked out. When Snake wakes up, Liquid shows him that Merrill is still alive but unconscious and that the Patriots have set up for the island to be bombed in less than 10 minutes and then laughs at Snake for not knowing who the Patriots are. The two fight hand to hand, and Liquid is knocked back and impaled. Meryl wakes up, and the two set off. Snake and Meryl head to the exit, where Otacon is waiting for them in a snowmobile, but Liquid attacks them before dying from Foxtar. Campbell tells Snake that Houseman has been arrested, as the entire Rex project was done by him alone. Snake asks if he'll be affected by Fox Dye. Naomi tells him that she reprogrammed the nanomachines that has placed Fox in, in indefinite dormancy. Snake, Otacon and Merrill take the snowmobile to find a new purpose. This could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. It could
1: Couldn't no. it? Could, no. um, the big confrontation is in this issue, and in true monologue fashion, they spend six pages talking to each other, delivering endless plot exposition.
0: Mm. Is
1: that covering up lots of holes, or lots of cracks, in the comic version of the story?
0: No, no, that's all in the game. It right. happens a little bit later. At this point, um, Liquid just says did you like my glasses snake yes it was me master Miller all along I set this all up because you killed big boss and stole my chance of revenge you took all of his dominant genes whereas I was given the recessive genes since the beginning I was told I was trash okay that's that's all at the beginning bit right the whole thing about the project and who the arc came later after Rex itself was destroyed right all right fair enough uh, the comic as I've said skips over all of the Les Enfants Terribles um, as in game it was said that 16 clones were created but several of them were aborted to make the other ones much stronger um, and the boss fight in the game is a lot longer you have to destroy the Ray Dome and then Fox jumps in and completely destroys it before dying and then you have to fight wrecks of liquid showing up through the cockpit so you have to target Liquid himself. Right. And then after that, it moves into the Snake Wakes Up and then they have the hand-to-hand bro fight.
1: Right, because the hand-to-hand bro fight was actually quite well depicted in the comics, so I've just said something nice about Ashley Woods's art. Mm. <laughs> on the 12th issue, the last one... Yeah, on yeah, I was a bit confused by how Liquid got stabbed.
0: Yeah. Does Snake just punch him onto something that's jutting out of the floor, or what? Well, I've no idea, because um, what happens in-game, is how um, the fighting on top of Rex. Yeah. So for some reason, after Rex gets destroyed, Liquid goes back down to strip Snake's clothes off to then drag him all the way back up to the roof of the Rex. But hey, we'll overlook that because it's a pretty neat boss fight. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He tells Snake that they have three minutes left before it bombs up so you have to kill Liquid in three minutes. Right. And in-game you punch him so that he falls off Rex and falls to his death.
1: Whereas here he, he falls on something that stabs him through the
0: chest. I don't think they're even fighting on Rex on this.
1: No, I don't I don't think so. They're just fighting outside of the building, aren't they? Yeah, well, they're still inside. Are they? Yeah. Because Well, yeah, because there's Merrill's dead body, but the next thing there's that big door that... Oh, yeah, so I suppose they could be inside, because the art doesn't make that terribly
0: clear. get in the car later on. I just didn't get what he got impaled on. No, I didn't, because it's new to this. Right, so it's completely different. Yeah. Uh, right, the no, the inclusion of the Patriots is completely new as they're not even revealed until the next game. Uh, it's been retconned that the Patriots were behind this. Um, even uh, Ocelot and Eva, who's introducing uh, MGS3, right. have been working together to kill the members of the Patriots because of what they did to Big Boss. Right. So the Darker Chief is a member of the Patriots, and Ocelot purposefully killed him, Rather than accidentally, like he's shown in this, and then um, they were planning to kill Doctor Clark, who was paramedic. Um, but Grey Fox killed her already, I think. Right. Yeah. So
1: they've altered the ending slightly. Slightly,
0: and it makes sense because it's not like. Well, this is
1: a finite comic book story, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Right. So there's some differences in this. Okay. Um, and the ending is a mix of both endings in the game. If Snake gives in during the torture, then Meryl dies and Snake leaves with Oticon. If Snake does it, which has a funny ending where he says, What's your name? Dave. Well, oh, my name's Hell." Ha ha ha. Let's fly to Jupiter. Ha 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 ha. So is <laughs> Meryl not in any other games? Well, I'll, I'll get to that. Alright,
1: oh, okay, because I was going to say she dies in the first one.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um... If Snake doesn't give in, then Meryl survives, and he leaves with her in a romantic ending, forgetting all about Hot Otacon, who they've just left in the base. <laughs> he decides to sacrifice his life, unlocking the door so the two could escape. And then it, doesn't, and then it turns out that the planes aren't even going to bomb the building, so he just left him alone in an isolated island in Alaska. He was irritating. Well, he's, he's, a, he's a proper bro in the next game. Isn't he's it? the Jimmy Olsen of this story, yeah. though, isn't he? But neither endings are completely canon, as Meryl isn't in MGS2, but Otacon and the stealth camo is. But both Otacon and Merrill are in MGS4. The game also ends with Naomi disappearing and Snake being told that he still has Fox Eye and will soon die. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Not in any way confusing that. No, see, in this, he, does, he doesn't have Fox Eye anymore, whereas in the game he's told he's going to die. Well, this has more of a...
1: It's more of an open ending. It felt more like the prelude to a series. This, this entire 12 issues... Yeah. ...felt like the pilot episode of a weekly TV show. Mm. And it ends with the three of them all off wandering, wandering the land like Kane from Kung Fu. Metal Gear Adventures. Yeah. With occasional <laughs> mythology episodes when the ratings needed a spike. Mm. Um... The game's a game of two halves. In terms of the game, I can see why this has become as respected and as well-loved as it has. It's very much like Tolkien or Star Trek or Marvel Comics in that there's a backstory and a mythology that that appeals to people. Just from this one game or comic series, there are multiple places that you could go on to explore this world, either in sequels or prequels. My issue with the game was that it was difficult to control with the gameplay being inordinately confusing I mean I know some of this came from retrofitting a PS1 game to work on a PS3 but it was still a bit of a pain. The cutscenes went on far too long because I'm not the most patient of men. So sitting through 30 minutes of plot whilst playing a game was just too much but it does belie the idea that the youth of today have no attention span. Mm. Because you and Adam will sit playing that for days. Especially when the fourth one has seven hours. Yeah, I I don't think I could could play that one. Uh, Additionally, the game would go on forever and then I'd die. And instead of picking up quite close to where I was, I would have to go all the way back to the beginning of the level, sometimes five or ten minutes worth of gameplay, which was just infuriating.
2: Mm.
1: The comic held together as a narrative better than I thought it would, and actually became a pretty decent read after the first half. The art was crap. But I found myself getting quite into the story towards the end. How long before this becomes a movie? It has been doing. Is it?
0: Avi Bots's Face is doing it. Avi Arad? Yes, because Kojima's now Best Bros of Hollywood.
1: Of course he is. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um,
1: um, well, yeah, I can see
0: that, because this has got franchise written all over it, hasn't it? Yeah, and if now, you get it right. And now Kiefer Sutherland's being Big Boss in MGS5. Oh, is he? That's, yeah. Because what he said was, David Hayter's been doing him since Metal Gear Solid 1, and Kojima said they decided to go with an actor, because um, they've decided to go with this one being very um, English-based, so it's all in English rather than Japanese. Right. Because the way they're doing it, because of the new Fox engine they've got, it's all motion capture, and they can do facial movement and voice acting all at the same time. So they're doing it like Tintin? Yes, they've so got an actor to do all three of them at the same time so we can cut it all and get it done very quicker. Right, and that's for Sutherland. Yeah. Right. Um, yes. The game also... The comic doesn't have the actual ending. Uh, after the credits, there is another little ending where it's a phone call conversation. It's a gimmick that's happened through all the games. The end of this one, Ocelot phones the president, mm. who is George Sears, um, and tells him that he's got the optical disc, that includes the Rex data, and is putting the Rex data on the black market, whereas, you know, they were trying to cover it up, so he's got all the information out, and that no one knows uh, that the president, George Sears, was the third clone of Big Boss, Solidus Snake. <laughs> Solidus Snake. So, who's the bad guy in the second one? Right. Who has... Does this not
1: end up like the Clone Saga in Spider-Man? A little bit.
0: It also doesn't explain that, and this is the big plot twist of the entire game. Spoilers. Yeah. Liquid says that he had the uh, recessive genes while Solid had the dominant genes, right? Mm
2: Mm-mm.
0: Whereas, um, it's revealed at the end that Solid actually had the recessive genes and Liquid had the dominant genes. Which is why the uh, the subtext of the story is that uh, you're not defined by your genes... So, Snake beat Liquid. Even though he's got the recessive genes. So, that was the point of that. And Solidus is the perfect clone of Big Boss. So, they're all different clones. Really? Yeah. And does one of them become Scarlet Spider at some point? Scarlet (laughs) Snake! Well, no. What happens is, Liquid's dead. But, um, in the second one, there's a new Snake introduced. But his name is changed to Rhydon. Solidus shows up. Snake changes his name to Iroquois Pliskin because Snake is um, known to be dead. Believed to be dead. Yeah. And the world just let the world think that he is dead. Yeah, and then there's Raiden, and then there's Solidus Snake. And Solidus Snake dies. Ocelot has his arm replaced by Liquid's arm. So, and through that, Liquid possesses Ocelot. So Liquid is still alive in Ocelot's body. And then... It turns out that it uh, never—he never did. He only used that to infiltrate the Patriots, so they could shut them down. And was Ocelot all along? And Liquid really did die. Solidus dies, um, and Snake becomes old Snake. So there's all yeah. It's very similar to comics in both respects, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, Well. Oh, go on. Sorry. I'll just wrap up with where you can find these games. Okay. Go on. And well, the comic. Uh, was followed by another 12-issue... Well, 13-issue. I had an issue zero um, series for Metal Gear Solid 2, which was written by uh, Alex Garner rather than Chris Aprisco, but still had Ashley, wouldn't it? And which was changed very differently where it ride and was cut out of it. Mostly it had Snake because Snake sells. Right. Um, but uh, if listening to the show has made you interested in the games, then you can find... Metal Gear Solid 1 uh, digitally on the PS uh, PlayStation 3 store, or you can even play it on the PlayStation 1, if you see fit. Metal Gear Solid 2 uh, and 3 can be played on the PlayStation 2, and as part of the HD Collection and Legacy Collection for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Metal Gear Solid 4 can be found on the PlayStation 3 um, on its own and in the Legacy Collection. And uh, other games, such as Peace Walker and Revengeance, can be found for the PlayStation... Well, Peace Walker can be found on the PSP and on the HD collection for the PS3 and Xbox 360. And Revengeance can be found on the Xbox 360 and the PS3. And um, the comic book is available as a digital graphic novel. Yes, the comic book is available in the one of the IDW omnibuses, mm. as well as uh, two individual graphic novels, right. and was done as a digital comic, as well as the second series, known as Band Destiny, which can be found on the PSP, and an updated Blu-ray version for the Legacy Collection.
1: That was very comprehensive. Yes. Well done. I thought so, too. And we, we probably brought that in about 90 minutes by the time you you trim this one down in the editing bear. Yeah. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Well done. So will you carry on with the games? I don't know, I may
0: carry on with it. I may try one of the actual proper PlayStation 3 ones. There's only one PS3 one. Is there? No, I have them on the HD collection where they've been done up for the PS3. Right, because that PlayStation 1, PlayStation 1 graphics are hard work now, aren't they? Oh yeah. (laughs) The best one, the best looking one is uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, the HD version, which was done for the PS2. Mm. But now that it's updated, it looks really good on the PS3. Now they've
1: upgraded it fair enough I enjoyed that a lot more than I thought I would when you've been nagging me let do a Metal Gear Solid show and I've been like do we have to Yeah. but I ended up quite enjoying that that was quite fun <laughs> uh, right next time on an all new episode next week Daredevil Yellow yes Lobe and Sail because, because we enjoyed Spider-Man, Spider-Man Blue so much Yeah. Daredevil Yellow's next week and the Daredevil welcome return
0: up. of yes. Continuity and Nitpicks <laughs> Which um, is a segment of the show I'm sure several listeners have missed.
1: Yes, uh, after that. Because I've missed saying it. Have you? Yeah. We only did it once. Oh, yeah. Uh, after that, we've got Nightwing Year 1 on the docket. Yeah. We're considering that. And then don't forget, as we mentioned last week, the Q&A stuff is up there. Three questions one for me, one for Michael, one general one. You don't have to send us three questions. No, would it be nice? Would it be nice? But you can only, you can send us one question if you want to. Yes. But we did think that... So that's, that's going to be the episode where everyone sends you a question. Well, that's why we I said, said one for wrong. me, one for you, yeah. and a general one. So both of us don't have more questions than the other, or one person doesn't end up with a torrent of questions, yeah. and the other one doesn't get any. I thought that made it fair. So we are interested in doing a and a episode, ostensibly, because... Um, the Hat Decides is a great podcast that makes me laugh. Scott Gardner turned me on to that. Thank you, Scott. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. What they do is they get questions from the audience and put it in a hat. Right. And The Hat Decides, they just put their hands in and pick a question at random. We're not going to do that. Yeah. Because that would be ripping them off. Yes. But Q&A episodes... Oh, and
0: God forbid we should rip off another God podcast. forbid we should rip anybody <laughs> off.
1: Yeah. Um, because this show is such a bastion of originality. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so a Q&A episode sounds fun because it's easy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. We don't have to do any work for it. And mm, I don't really want to do an email episode at the minute because we cover emails every week, so that just feels yeah. a bit samey. So we're doing something different. So we're doing something different. So yes, we are interested in the Q&A section. Uh, email us in. Email only, please. Don't send us questions on Facebook because I will forget about them. Mm-hmm. Email them to us. Um, deadline's the 1st of August, yes, isn't it? For email questions. So Daredevil Yellow's next week. Probably Nightwing Year 1 after that. We're not deciding what we're doing after that. We've got Crime Noir season.
0: We've got some stuff planned. We've
1: got in the penciling stage and a couple of other things that well, we've got.
0: We had uh, Chris Claremont's Wolverine planned for a yes, while. Absolutely. Now
1: we're thinking about doing Days of Future Past before we do Wolverine. Right, but so Wolverine comes idea. out before Days of Future Days Past. of Future Past does. So yeah. So the the let's um, let's. Whore ourselves myself. out because the film's coming out unworked, whatever. No. So we may do The Wolverine. Yeah. You know, it's all in the book. I think we should do Old Man Logan. Do you? Personally. Okay. That's 12 issues, though. Although it's 12 issues of Mark Miller. Yes, yeah, so, so one done
0: show then? We're not in a 40 minute show, yeah.
1: <laughs> right, okay, so we'll see you next week. Thank you very much for listening. Bye bye. Goodbye. find work for idle hands to do production. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review and illustrative purposes only and no infringement is intended so don't send your phalanx of highly paid lawyers after us as we have no money. Certainly this show has not turned into a lucrative revenue stream as no money is made from this either which vexes us. The opinions of Michael and Andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and no one else they own them cherish them and look after them but are probably not to be taken too seriously new episodes drop every Thursday at twotruefreaks.com and Hey Kids Comics is a part of the Two True Freaks internet radio network your one stop shop for a plethora of truly fine shows join in the fun We have a website where you can see the covers of the comics we've covered at www.haykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com and we can be emailed directly at heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We can also be friended on Facebook by using Hey Kids, all one word, as the first name and comics as the surname. We also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks.com. We do hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics. (laughs)
5: No, sir. My cover is intact. Nobody knows who I really am. Yes, the DARPA chief knew my identity, but he's been disposed of. Yes. Thank you. Goodbye, Mr. President.